When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Today, the season preview show. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. I have got the best hot take in the world this week. I have been waiting for it all week, and now here it is. It's... Um, I got a case of the Urban Meyerism. Forgot. Just get back to me. <laughs> That's probably the medicine you're on right now, Hunk. That's the problem. I'm also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? It is game week. I have been trying out different varieties of body paint. Um, so far, I've only had a reaction to two of them. So, doing pretty good. Uh, that rash will go away. No time, Mac. Also with Boomer. I'd just like to uh, advise all of our uh, Big Redcast fans that at no point in this season will the Go Big Redcast ever punch from inside the opponent's 40. <laughs> all right. Uh, maybe a reference to a game that was on TV over the weekend. Uh, all right, guys. Well, there was Week 0 football, but it is Week 1, and Nebraska takes on Akron. Uh, it has been a, a long fall camp, uh, and... There's always things happening there in Lincoln. Honky, you want to get us started with uh, some news and notes? I think a few things have been happening in Lincoln uh, today in this past week. Uh, yeah, Dave, we, we've had some numbers change. Uh, the last time that we started talking here, we were at 82 scholarships. Uh, that was with Cedric King not a part of it either, so that was at 82. But since then, we've had Will Jackson kind of unexpectedly leave. Jalen Barnett uh, left with concussions. Um, Avery Roberts asked for a release and got it. Trey Bryant, unfortunately, uh, has called it quits with football, retiring with his knees. Uh, Dominic, Dominic Watt officially did not make make it here, so he's going to JUCO and he's going to Garden City, which is the same uh, JUCO that Willie Canty was sent to uh, in Kansas. So we have some connections down there. And then last but not least is today Tristan Jebbia has, uh, has called it quits here at Nebraska. Oh, I hadn't heard that. No, you hadn't heard that, <laughs> had you? Uh, Newsflash, so, Max. Those, those last six that we just mentioned, um, the unfortunate piece about those six being gone is that we can't replace those spots right now with, with walk-ons, that we can't just give those scholarships elsewhere. Those scholarships are counted for until December. So the three scholarships, the uh, Matt Snyder, Inglehop, and Cedric King, those three were available to be used still this semester, and that those are the ones that were given to walk-ons Jacob Weimeister, Brian Reimers, and Wyatt Mazur. That gets us up to that 79 number, but basically we have six scholarships that uh, guys that had already started the fall camp and were already here, those just can't be used by anybody, so we're at right. 79 basically. So they're being unused. Um, and you mes- me- mentioned Jebia. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to that here in just a few minutes but uh we learned of the the quarterback race's outcome on sunday morning when a two deep uh roster 
depth chart was released and Adrian Martinez was on top of that. And at that point, Jebbia was, was number two. But there was also some, some other interesting uh, outcomes there. Mac, what did you see on that uh, depth chart? You know, it was kind of an interesting depth chart release. You know, with all the talk of the of the roster turnover and these new fresh faces that we're going to see this year, I find it interesting that on offense, you've really only got Adrian Martinez and Greg Bell as new additions that are going to be starting. And then on the defensive side, you've got uh, Trey and Neal, and then that's it. Everybody else are players from last year. So um, hopefully that what, that what that tells us is the team has bought in and we've developed these guys and, and they're going to get after it. Make no mistake, the two deeps got some of those fresh faces on there, and we're going to see a lot of them. But that was the first thing that jumped out to me. What about you, Hunk? Yeah, I, I think the other thing that jumped out to me is we don't know because Frost has already said it with injuries that they're not going to talk about him. I, I don't know how much that affected certain individuals. Obviously, a guy like Breon Dixon wasn't listed on the two deep here. And I'm not saying he's injured. I'm just saying I don't know why he, he wasn't listed there yet. I don't know if it's a motivation thing or if he's just going to be a situational player. There's a lot of things there. But, but um, you know, I also feel like this is going to be a, a depth chart that's going to be changing a lot throughout the season. I, I think it's sure. very fluid. I, I think, you know, it's interesting, Mac. You, you took that as, like, well, there's a, a lot of buy-in. We have a lot of players that have been on the roster that are starting. But on the two deep – there, there's plenty of freshmen or fresh faces, right? I mean, our, our two deep on our cornerbacks, for example, are two true freshmen. Uh, there's other, you know, we have Caleb Tanner as a true freshman outside linebacker. Uh, there's quite a bit of youth there as well, um, especially when you know you have a defense that could take a lot of snaps because of the offensive system on the other side of the ball. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and all those guys are going to be relied upon too. So, I mean – the buy-in's good, but I think what I'm, my greater point was it's going to take a whole team kind of effort, not just the new guys, but the old guys too, to kind of contribute and play. And we've kind of said this all along that the, the depth chart is just that. It's a depth chart. It's not who's starting, who's going out there first. It's, it's your two deep are going to have to contribute this season. And, and we're kind of seeing that play out. Like a guy like, like you were saying, Caleb Tanner being on the two deep as an outside linebacker, that to me – was a big surprise. I mean, you look at that kid, and yes, he's got all the potential in the world, but he's skinny. You know, he looks thin, and he must be doing something in practice to impress enough. But then you look at a guy like Tyron Ferguson, a guy who's been on the team for years and never really making any kind of strides. For whatever reason, this year the the, the light's gone off in his head, and he's ready to play. So, uh, and another yeah. guy that steps out to me, uh, Deshaun O'Neal. He's listed as an or as a defensive end on the second string, and that's a guy that we've all been kind of waiting on. A Nebraska kid has the frame, looks like he's got all the potential in the world. Those are the kind of guys that we need that are going to push this team to the next level. But yeah, you're talking when you talk about that, the the cornerbacks and the position that of need. Those guys could provide a spark that could really push us over for this year. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this. I, I Obviously, guys like the Davis brothers are going to be playing a lot of snaps. But it does bring a smile to my face to see Stoltenberg and Stilly, two Nebraska kids on that on that front three of the D-line. Um, it just brings a smile to my face because that's a, it's a young blood guy in Stilly. It's a, the fifth-year senior, you know, old sage guy on the D-line in, in Stoltenberg. But those are guys – that are perfect kinds of players that are going to help get this this Husker train rolling again. I mean, tough nose in the in the trench kind of guys, and uh, that that yeah, was good the, to see. 
I thought the two deep wide receivers were interesting. Speaking of, of Nebraskans, you have Brian Reimers there in the two deep. I thought that was that was pretty interesting, and that might be there because of his his all around skills as a blocker uh, and his height. But also Andre Hunt uh, was there, and that's uh, that's a, a fresh face and ahead of uh, Jevion McQuitty, so it's interesting. Yeah, and I think uh, I think Mac, you might have a favorite player now in Stanley Morgan. Uh, any any. Anything happen over the weekend? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a nice little weekend. Went to uh, Penelope's Cafe for breakfast. And as I am wont to do with the family on a Saturday, I'm like, well, you know, it's a week away before the game. We should probably go down to the stadium and check <laughs> things out. So we did the self-guided tour, you know, in the, in the southeast corner there where you can walk in. And then I just was like, well, let's just walk around and see what there is to see. So we, we ended up attaching to a tour in progress. Um, Nicole was like, oh, I don't think we necessarily need to. I'm like, sure, we'll go with you, no problem, you know. <laughs> so they showed us the, the, the Hawks, and they showed us the weight room. And then as we're walking back, we're going through the tunnel walk. And if you've never been through there, across in that hallway, one side's the treatment room and the other side's the uh, locker room. And Stanley Morgan comes walking out of treatment, walks across to the locker room. Our tour guide, who wasn't great, but bless his heart, um, <laughs> He asked if we could go and have a look at the locker room, and Stanley was like, well, I don't care. And he, he went in to check, make sure nobody was changing. And so uh, we got to go and look at the locker room. And then as our tour guide was kind of telling us things that I already knew about, but um, Stanley Morgan goes over to his lockers, digging through some stuff, comes back out with a couple gloves, walks up to, to Sully, my son, and hands him one of his gloves. And just, he go, little man, gave it to him, and just kind of walked off. It was super, super cool. I mean, like totally on. He didn't have to do it. You know, he didn't have to do anything. He could have just walked up, walked through, walked out of another door, never did nothing. He saw the kids, came back, gave him a glove, made his whole day, made his dad's whole day. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> if, so. you, if you want to see the photo, we had it out there on Twitter on uh, and Facebook, for that matter. Maybe on Instagram. We're, we're now on Instagram, too. Yes, we are. So that photo might be on all three of those, but I'll, I'll get them reposted again here for the show. But it was really cool uh, of Stanley Morgan. Just want to make sure that's very clear. And I went ahead and I looked through Morgan's, like, timeline on Twitter. He's got 10, 15 photos like that. The guy just taking photos with kids and just that – I talk a lot about the Nebraska kids. I just said that was Stilly and Stoltenberg. But I want to make sure that – I mean, there are guys like Morgan who he may not have been originally from Nebraska, but that guy, he's a Husker through and through. And that guy is a great representative of Nebraska. Absolutely. We better just keep that quiet for Sully's future. That could be an impermissible benefit there, Max, so we – Keep that hidden from the NCAA. Certainly, Stanley Morgan is a booster, you know, in the class of 20, you know, 30, whatever is that Sully will be eligible. So we got problems there. But, hey, we'll deal with that at that point. All right? Not right now. Uh, All right. Well, let's get to what I'm sure everybody on the Redcast wants us to talk about a little bit here. And that is that Tristan Jebbia has left the program or at least that's uh, everyone's understanding. He is uh, not enrolled in classes any longer, and the expectation is he is transferring. Um, I'm going to start with Mac here because I think I know Honky's take, but uh, uh, what what is your initial reaction when you heard that? I guess my initial reaction was disappointed, Um, just for personal reasons, I I would say. I mean, I looked at it immediately in terms of depth and – and how it might affect the team. As I took a step back and I looked at it from a player's perspective, I guess I understand it to an extent. He, uh, I wouldn't fault him for the effort. I wouldn't. He definitely stuck his nose in there and tried to compete, and it went down to the wire. But at the end of the day, 
I think most of us thought that he wasn't much of a fit for this offense, and he gave it his best shot. He pushed uh, Adrian the entire time. But if he didn't win it this year, if he didn't win it this season, he probably wasn't ever going to play again. So I, I guess I understand at the end of the day him wanting to pick up and leave. I have no hard feelings to the kid at all. The Calabrascus sure. thing is almost gone now, though. We got this muke, and that, that's the end of that movement. But um, I wish Tristan the best. I really do. I think, Like I said, I think he's a, a heck of a teammate, super good guy. I'm, I'm sorry it didn't work out for him, but, uh, you know, this is football. It's big boy football, and if you're – that just seems to be the trend anymore. If you're not the starting quarterback and you were a four-star anything, then it's time to move on. I, I guess that's how it is. Sure. Uh, Honk, uh, go ahead. I guess I don't feel any different about this than I would have Crouch and Newcomb back in back in the late 90s. Um, at the end of the day, what I don't like about it is the timing. And I get it. I understand the timing because by leaving now and going to a West Coast school, you know, he could still – this could be his sit-out year and be eligible next year. I, I get all that. But there's a piece of this where – Football, there is a teamwork piece of this, being a good teammate, being a part of the team. And if I'm that next coach that's going to take a kid that's going to leave the school right before the season starts, that's something I'm going to look at as a coach. I just – I flat out will. I think in a sense – and I and I don't know Jebbia personally, so it's it's always easier to talk about somebody else's life and their situation. I get that. So I'm going to give use my own example. When I was 22, the first job I had out of school, didn't love it. I'm not the first – person out there to be that way right worked at the place for one year and when I left I left by emailing my 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 manager and I quit over email no two-week notice just quit and and that night I went golfing with my uncle and a couple of his buddies and I'm talking with these guys they're older they're in their their managers and stuff and I told them this story and I was so proud of it I was like oh yeah I gave it to the man you know kind of thing and they looked at me and they were just like that's not cool that's not the right way to do it and I really wish I would have had the mentors at the time to make the decision better. I, for 20 years have gone by, I feel bad about that decision I made. And I just feel in this case with him that this is a really quick decision to make off of a huge moment in life. And I get that he feels like he has to make it quick. I've got to make this decision. But here's the guarantee I can give him. He's not going to play football this year. There's your guarantee. Here's the other guarantee. You would have played football if you'd have stayed here. And if you would have played football, you would have got yourself on tape. Things could happen. Um, who knows what happens. I mean, no one roots for injuries or anything, but injuries can happen. And at the end of the day, if the, at the end of the season, if it doesn't work out, you still can leave. And you, and, and you have a little more time and you have some stuff on tape and maybe you can find an even better place to go to. Right now, I feel like it's, it's, he's going to feel kind of rushed to get to some place. Well, and that's a great, great question, Honk. Is, I mean, we don't know how much work he or his, uh, his family, maybe his dad in particular, uh, has laid groundwork uh, knowing that this was going to be a very close battle and their ultimate goal is to to have Tristan Jebbia in the NFL I suppose so Boomer I mean what do you think just from a from that that this change in, in culture you know I, I think it's intriguing to me that um, you know when Martinez is announced as the starter it's the first time that a true freshman will ever start at Nebraska uh, we've seen true freshmen recently now over the last five to seven years take on growing expectations uh, from day one when they set foot on campus. Georgia had a true freshman last year uh, start the championship game. Alabama had a true freshman win them the championship game. And so that's okay. But uh, when uh, – so times have changed in that regard. Times have also changed on the expectation of someone 
who thinks they uh, have the ability to start at a major uh, Power 5 school in the fact that they're going to transfer if they didn't win the job, and that's what we, we've seen here with Jebion. Yeah, that seems to be the case. You, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's it's just a combination of a lot of factors. Part of it is that you know push for the star rankings and all these great recruits we're bringing in. Everyone gets all caught up with that, and we expect instant results as fans. It seems anymore. You know, coaches aren't going to have the time to you know sit there and develop players for years and have them sit in the bench, and you know they're not going to have five, six, seven years in most cases to do something you know slowly and gradually with those players if they're bringing in you know high-star, high-power recruits, fans are going to want to see them right away, and they're going to want to see results, especially for the millions they're making. And I can't begrudge coaches for doing that. You know, same thing from the players' perspective. I and mean, we've seen this in college basketball for how many years now where, you know, how many players ever finish at the school they started at. It's it's an incredible amount of transfers there. It's, it's a similar attitude here, and I can understand it. it and hockey kind of hit it. The unfortunate part of this is the timing aspect of it. You know, it's just it is unfortunate that it kind of took this long to actually get the decision made. You know, maybe if he'd have had more time to think about it, maybe he would have you know decided to stay, or you know maybe he would have you know been had decided to leave a long time ago. I don't know. Maybe that you know die's been cast. I'm not sure, but it probably wouldn't have felt as bad for you know Husker fans in general. You know, if this had happened you know in July or something like that, I think so. Yeah, that's kind of unfortunate end of it all. I think too. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a chance that we could have actually brought in a graduate transfer or something for depth perspectives, but that that might be uh, difficult as well. I mean, I guess you could um, think about how the uh... – crap, guys, I just totally lost my train of thought there. <laughs> you just had an Urban Meyerism too there, Dave. Yep. That's yeah, okay. I did. Actually, that I a... We've all been Urban Meyered. Right. Man, and I actually it was a really good point too, and I'm like killing myself that I didn't have it. In well, here let me let me chat and 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 you get right, you think yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Talk. Too, I think yeah, one of the things that say. Frost talked about today was that he wants guys that want to be a Husker, want to be at Nebraska, and even to the point, let's say that that Jebbia and his parents or whoever they they had a plan in place in case this didn't work out. That already kind of that right there. You're I mean you're you're already kind of getting a. a you're planning an exit before a decision's even made. And my point is, Frost, who is a guy that chose Stanford over Nebraska, let's, I mean, talk of his own history for a second, but Frost wants guys that want to be at Nebraska right now, and that's that's just his words, not mine. I think the other thing is that we talked about, uh, you know, this is a, a true freshman now uh, playing, but really I think that you have to put an asterisk next to that. If you've been here for an off season. If you've put on 18 pounds of muscle since January, you're not really a true freshman. At best, I'm going to call Martinez a redshirt freshman at this point. I know he's a true freshman in, in title, but that offseason means something. And so I do feel like we almost need to transition out of talking about Jebbia now since he's not here. We need to transition to what does this mean to the season this year. And and Dave? Yeah, no, I just wanted to, uh, you know, talking about, about this scenario, we knew that this was a possibility. Um, so I, I – I think that I guess if there's a last comment I have on this topic is that Scott Frost and Mario Verduzco and everybody on that staff made this decision knowing that this was a possibility. We, I'm sure they listened to the Redcast, right? We we mentioned this last spring or whenever it was that if Adrian Martinez is named a starter, uh, there's a chance that um, at that point Pob and and Jebby are both going to transfer out, and uh, sure enough, it happened. I don't think that Scott Frost and company did this uh, with a, a complete blind eye to that possibility. 
That's sure. We, we talked about it back in the spring that if they had gone after Joe Burrow at the time, that maybe that would have pushed a Jebbia out. And we, at the time we said, hey, well, we can live with Jebbia being here in that, in that competition with Martinez. So it definitely is always a it, – it's a possibility out there. It, I'll just leave it – Frost said that we want guys that want to be at Nebraska. That's, that's, I think, moving forward the most important thing. So what do we have remaining? We obviously have Martinez starting bunch moves into the second spot now and unfortunately the guy's our second string quarterback and he doesn't have a a scholarship position to to go into because of the numbers we talked earlier so he's a walk-on backup and then the third string guy basically is masker now who's the true freshman walk-on who we really like we've talked about him a couple times on the show um i'm not sure that we like him as a third string quarterback this season but you you know it is what it is and the type of offense that he was running at at carney catholic is a shotgun spread kind of offense. So he's somebody that with the four game redshirt rule that you have in place, he's going to play this year. He'll get some play time in some games and still maintain that redshirt. The last thing I want to bring up with the QB spot is because we are no longer in a drop back pro style offense. A lot of guys can kind of play QB. I know that it's not ideal necessarily, but there are guys that have played high school quarterback that might get snaps at times if somebody gets hurt, if we get into a depth kind of situation. And this is no different than back in the 90s in an option offense. We, we could pull a Tony Veland or we could pull a Cluster Johnson if if we ever had to. Sure, It's not ideal, but it's a lot easier to do it in this offense than when what we were running a year ago. Yeah, that's a disaster-type scenario. Hopefully we don't get to that point. But I, I think the fact that we have greater depth than what uh, the, the three uh, quarterbacks that are actually – on the roster, roster as QBs is, is fair to say. Yeah. Well, certainly right. they could have gamed him a little bit too. There's nothing – I mean, Akron was probably – or Akron is probably a game they feel comfortable winning with either quarterback, and they still chose to go with Martinez, even though if they would have went with Jebbia and he didn't transfer, they would have locked him in for the year. And you know who's to say they couldn't have started Martinez later in the year? I thought it was interesting that they did this straw poll, and it was a consensus from all the coaches – that Martinez gets the start. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have this impression of how practice is going based on very bad observations from the media that we get. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's what I think about, like, Breon Dixon. We're like, why is Breon Dixon on the depth chart? Well, whoever said out of the coaching staff that Breon Dixon is about to break through and be a, a starter? Nobody. But, the, you know, the guys we read and the, and the, and the pages we go to kind of tell us that stuff. But yeah. that's kind I mean, of my point. The coaches' consensus said Martinez. Nobody put a vote in for Jebbia. That's a big deal, you know. And they also had to have kind of realized, like you said, Dave, they're not these guys are 4D chess players, right? I mean, we've all kind of agreed on that. It they would know that this kid's probably not going to hang around if we don't go with him. So, I mean, it, it has to give us some confidence on on what Martinez is. He's had the spring here. You know, Frost has no problems playing young quarterbacks. He said flat out that he probably would have started Mackenzie Milton if he didn't had the spring ball. You know, but it took them yep. a few games into the season to get going, and they had an injury. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of positives to Martin. I mean, it's 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 a bummer that Jebbia left, but we've got a true freshman starting at quarterback for us. You know, that's yeah, that's a big the, deal. The depth takes the biggest hit, but I mean, if you want to have the ultimate positive spin on this thing, is that Tristan Jebbia really helps Adrian Martinez out because he doesn't have anybody. Uh, you know, behind him now that's threatening. He, Adrian's not going to be looking over his shoulder at, at all. Um, he's not going to be worried about getting pulled uh, for someone who may be after taking his job. And ultimately, the the rest of the team has to rally behind Martinez. Uh, I think the you know Tristan Jebbia was a very good teammate. A lot of those uh, uh, players were his friends and recruited with him. 
And so if you would have stayed on the team, it could have been a, a, some sort of dividing factor. But at this point, they're going to have to rally behind Martinez because he's their, their absolute number one clear-cut starter now. All right, guys, uh, let's let's call that a, a start to the show. We got a lot left, uh, and uh, we hey, let's let's move towards uh, mailbag honk. All right, yeah, Dave. Uh, with the mailbag, we had several questions that came in this week. Uh, quite a few of them came into our email inbox, which was the first time that we we had it. Again, we can't get to all of them, but I want to start with Dusty Baker, and he asked, "Where's Dixon?" And we touched on this a little bit earlier. Where's Dixon's based off of Breon on the on the depth chart? And, again, I just want to reiterate kind of what we were talking about earlier is that I think this depth chart, this is an initial one, and it's one where we're going to see guys move around as the, as the season goes on. So Breon Dixon, I, I, I anticipate he's either a situational player where maybe he's a pass rush guy, and that's why he's not listed right away on the two deep, or he's somebody that maybe it's a motivational thing or something, but they're – well, Frost brought it up a little bit in the press conference. He did say that Breon is one of those guys who has a red shirt to use. And with the new red shirt rule, they, if, if they think he can help this year, they're going to try it. But I think at the first they're going to kind of sprinkle him in and see what he does. And I've heard actually not that long ago Breon himself talk about, you know, getting the other guys ready to play and giving them looks and everything like that. So I don't even think it's something that would necessarily upset him. But, again. Do you um, think, Mac, that – he could be adding that, you know, say 15 to 20 pounds onto his frame. So he's playing at 220 next year instead of 205, and he's better fit for the outside. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting here too, though, uh, with with Brion because it's like that. You like you said earlier, Mac. We hear one thing, and I'm not trying to knock our, our local media. That's not fair. They're trying to do their job, but it is literally there are cases where it's like we hear one thing, and then when the actual release comes out it, it feels like it's something different right and and with Breon there was just a lot of chatter all off season that this guy you know difference maker right away and at the very least he doesn't look like he's going to be starting in week one I mean that's the sure. one thing that we can take off of this to answer Dusty's question he's not going to be starting this week or in the two deep a quick spinoff on this don't we don't need to spend a lot of time but there's a lot of oars on that defensive side does that give you a, any sort of heads up on how many black shirts might ultimately get handed out or is that still down the road yeah, they definitely said there weren't any black shirts yet as of today. And I thought one of the oars that was really interesting to me was the Colin Miller one with Dedrick Young. That just seemed like a position where you know Young had definitely clearly taken the, the reins of it. Heck, Colin Miller, we weren't really sure if he was an inside or outside backer until just a couple weeks ago, right? He was still kind of an outside guy. But with Avery Roberts leaving and we've had some other, obviously, guys that have left over the offseason at that spot – all of a sudden, uh, Miller kind of falls in there, but not just as a backup. He's an oar. So, yeah, I don't know, Dave. Um, the next question we got, new Nebraska era, he get, he asked, this goes along with the defense, is how much better do you see it being this year from last? And, Mac, I'll start with you on that. A lot better. I mean, <laughs> I it has to be better. It, it can't, you know – Okay, on all seriousness, I do look for us to be creating a heck of a lot more turnovers. I look for us to be a lot more aggressive, and I look for us to be a lot more fun to watch. It won't be a bend-don't-break kind of deal that we've been doing. I think it's going to be an attacking deal. That will be we'll – get, we'll get burned a couple times. I watched enough UCF games to watch them get burned a few times. But I think the turnovers will sort of offset some of that. Um, but, yeah, I look for us to be a lot better tackling, more fundamental on that, playing – the ball, our cornerbacks going after the ball as opposed to running around with their heads cut off, not finding the ball at all. That's what I'm looking for. So, long story short, 
better. Dave, how about you? Yeah, well, they got it. It can't be much worse, right? Um, and I think that's uh, Sam McEwen, where the hell had a, an article on that today. He has a bunch of numbers, you know, saying, hey, look for this, look for that. And I think those, are, you know, it's a good way to try to measure the success because, I mean, we're going to give up some yards and, and big plays and, and points this year. But uh, compared to what last year's stats were, uh, we're probably going to be a lot better. And, and we're going to need to be to be more competitive in the in the Big Ten. It's kind of interesting if you think about you, you, Mac. You just referenced UCF and last year, hey, they gave up some big plays. But that's also a very wide open, explosive conference there in the uh, Americans. It's not the same way in the Big Ten. So it'll be interesting to see, honestly, the run defense. I think in particular, and see how well we actually stop run the Big Ten. Uh, because you may not have as many explosive offensive playmakers with some of our lower rung teams, um, you know. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, and I got to say, I'm, I'm proud of the two starting corners that are listed here. Lamar, who's he's taken his his lumps in in the media and social media. Uh, on this show, we have at times we've been critical of his play. That guy has kept fighting through there, and you know we talked about Calabrasca stuff. Well, that's one of the California kids too. You know, yep. and, and, and that kid's he's working hard, and there he is. He's at the top of that list. In the other corner, you have Boodle, and that's a guy he, he doesn't get a lot of the talk at times, right? But, I mean, there he is. He's sitting there at top, you know, at least in, in game one. Those two guys are starting there. Um, I, I'm interested to see how they play. I want to see them be aggressive out there, you know, no fear of failure. Go and try to make some plays. we got some talented guys back there. I, I think that could be a difference that we'll see. The last question here that we're going to go over, and I think this is really interesting. This is from Russell's World. And, uh, Dave, you and I have talked about this at length but before. How long until we start seeing Nebraska high school teams running Scott Frost's offensive system? And he references that during the 90s, the entire state ran some form of wishbone, eye formation. You know, basically we were a farm league for Nebraska is what he says. Um, you know, I've got my thoughts here, but, Dave, I want to start with you. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? How, and we've been to these coaching clinics now for, yep. for going on, you know, 15, 16 years. So we, we've well, seen it kind of firsthand, too. Yeah, I'd be surprised. I mean, I, maybe I am surprised if no one is already starting to run it this year. I mean, I'm sure there's there's already spread offenses in Nebraska high school football. So I imagine those programs in particular might be picking up some of Frost's initial, like, formations and different play calls, and then it's going to evolve from there. But – I'd be shocked if we don't see significant um, increase in that type of offensive system. Um, if it's not this year, starting next year when they have more time to implement it, uh, I would I would take that. Yeah, well, and and just you mentioned like in Nebraska, you have uh, some teams like Lincoln High and Bellevue West just played last week, and they are spread shotgun teams throwing the ball all over the place. I mean that right. that game went into the. 40s, I think it was like 49-44. Xavier Betts is the the four-star big, you know, junior top player in the state of Nebraska, top 100 kid, and that's that kid's coming out of Bellevue West next year. And there's there's teams like that. My coworker, his nephew is wide receiver going to North Dakota, and he's off of a uh, off of a uh, Lincoln High, whose quarterback is going to North Dakota too. I mean, so these are sure. teams. To your I, point, Dave, some of that was already going on pre-frost, and it, I think it's only going to get stronger now. Yeah, Boomer, maybe you could jump in here on this one because we've talked about high school participation rates in past shows, maybe just last show, I think. And I think having a really exciting offense that's easy to learn and fun to play and gets a lot of people involved can, you know, would, would potentially 
help stave off some of the, those issues that we've seen in, in uh, Nebraska high school football recently. Yeah, I think so. There's, it certainly would give them uh, just another you know selling point, try to get kids involved. I think you know the real clincher, though, is when will high school start running this is when it actually works. If we start winning games with it, I think you'll see coaches gravitate it pretty quickly. I mean, if we still floundering around at a 5-6, to 7-win win team, then, well, they might be a little more hesitant at that point. So I think it just depends how quickly we can start cranking out wins at the university, and then people will glom so on to success, and I think we'll see it at the high school level. I think we'd probably even see other schools in the Big Ten start doing something similar as well, too. So so you're telling me sometime around October 1st they'll start I think so, it. yeah. Gotcha, so perfect. Good. Uh, well, anyway, Mac? so I think that's the mailbag for this week, but uh, we did some Twitter polls on top of that. And the first one, it's, it's crazy how fast things can get dated. <laughs> we, uh, we asked the Redcasters out there, who do you think the starting quarterback's going to be? And with 500 votes, uh, we had Tristan, Martinez, Bunch, and, of course, Boomer always throws in Scott Frost. He got my vote. <laughs> and, and Scott Frost got 15% of the vote. Well, Thank you, Redcasters. than he was last week, so... <laughs> Uh, Martinez got 38% of the vote, and and Jebbia got 47% of the vote. So, um, Moron. <laughs> Inconceivable. Yeah. Um, so let's move to the other Twitter poll, <laughs> the other one that we had. Um, Barry Alvarez made some statements last week about the, the college football poll or playoff and maybe having it you know, increase. And actually, I love it. He wanted to do the six-team one, which is what I've been proposing. If we were going to increase it, I'd rather go to six. I don't want to make it eight or higher. But anyways, we just asked the, the Redcasters out there. We uh, Smaller poll here. We just had about 200 votes. But um, 3% said keep it at, at four. So nobody, apparently nobody wants it to stay as is. Uh, only 19% agree with Alvarez go to six. 77% say eight is perfect. Uh, and 1% says more than 8. So they're not, you know, people aren't looking at it to stay the same. They're not looking at it to get bigger than 8. But um, th- this is the one thing I'll say, and I want to hand it over to Boomer maybe, because I-, I know you talk a lot about the-, the playoffs. But I love the concept of 6 because of how you can you can add certain features into it, like, you know, having a buy for the first two teams, which mm-hmm. only, you know, th- this whole concept of we want to make the season mean more, right? So if you finish first or second in the polls, then you're gonna you're gonna get a first round buy. Now you're not gonna sit a player or do something you know that maybe you could get by with if you if you didn't have to do that. If you finish third or fourth, you would host a you would host a game in December against the five and six teams. So imagine Lincoln, Nebraska. We're the three seed and we're hosting in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, you know Auburn, the number six team coming here. You know that kind of thing where it's constantly motivating you to finish higher. I just think you could build some things into a six-team one that could be kind of cool. But it is the NCAA, so I'm sure they'll just find a way to have this at, at every SEC West home field. And <laughs> but anyways, neutral Boomer. sites oh, yeah. at yeah. on campus. Boomer. Neutral site. Well, of course, yeah. All the games will be held in Atlanta. We know that, so there's no question there. So now I've always been a longtime proponent of a larger playoff. You know, pre the massive realignment, Palooza 16 would have been great, but uh, with the structure of the college being what it is now, eight is just, I think, about the perfect number that gets all your big power five schools in there. It leaves an easy slot for the group of five and plus leaves enough, you know, uh, slots open for those wild card teams that, you know, people do want to kind of see in there, which I think you're going to have to allow for opportunities for that. So if those, you know, conferences do have, you know, great teams in it, they have a shot at it as well. Uh, you know, the 16 with the bye, 
yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that, mostly because I don't. There's such a big gap between the end of the season and when these playoffs start. Anyway, is that by a really an advantage or a huge reward at that point to those teams? I don't know if it is. You might Good actually point, rather man. be playing that first game, so you kind of get the rust knocked off of you at that point. I don't know. That's just my my opinion on that. So, but no, I think uh, you know, I'd settle for six, eight would be best. But by God, you got to play them on campus sites. You know, enough with the you know the home games. You know, where we're the home team playing in Atlanta against Auburn and Georgia, things like that. That needs to happen. <laughs> so, what about the uh, automatic qualifiers of the Power Five conferences? Uh, Mac, what do you think about that? That's a no-brainer to me. I don't. That would be the simplest way to go about it. That that, that should be automatic qualifiers for con, for Power Five conference champs. You know, That's, some people would say that they're always going to point out that one situation that you're going to get allow someone who has a, only eight wins, for example, uh, in Wisconsin, for example, with the Big Ten when they beat us in 2012, I think. You know, we're eight and five, and they went to the Rose Bowl because everybody in the Big Ten East was on probation or whatever, right? Uh, that's pretty rare, but that's what people usually bring up. I think that by doing it and having that automatic qualification, you've really just extended the playoff in some ways uh, another week because those Power, power Five championship games are now play-in games, right? I mean, yeah. I at the end of the day, I think you have your if you did go eight, you, you have your five conference champs. You have one wild card, you have one for a group of five, and then you always save one for Alabama. And <laughs> then you've got your eight, guaranteed. I think we're good. Yeah, that way Alabama doesn't need to play in the regular season any longer. They can just take the week, you know, oh, year yeah. off and It'd just be play in the playoffs. For them, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they can play Mercer, and it will be on ESPN Classic like it was yesterday. So, um, God, that's pathetic. <laughs> All um, Alabama regular season games were on ESPN <laughs> yesterday. It was of course they were. a marathon. Yep. Well, let's, uh, let's go to trivia, and uh, Boomer, what do you got? Trivia time. Well, this was just kind of a, just a little uh, deeper data dive. I was intrigued by a, a small chain one of our Twitter followers was doing, Count Istvan, and he was counting down the uh, first scoring plays for all the Husker coaches from uh, Bob Devaney on. I was kind of curious to see just throughout Husker history what the first scoring plays for all of our coaches were. Uh, we've had about, uh, oh, not counting Scott Frost, we've had 32 coaches, both officially and unofficially. I haven't been able to get uh, data for all of them. There's about seven I'm missing the actual scores, the first scores for. But for the remaining 25, my question to you is, how many of their first scores for those particular coaches were defensive scores? Hmm. <laughs> well, I'll out guess of 25? That, Out of 25, yeah. It's either a very low number or a very high number because I'm sure it, ta- it caught Boomer's attention. You did. I, I, zero. I have no idea. I'll, I, yeah, so this is the price is right here. So Matt's yeah, taking the low, zero. <laughs> uh, so. And you are playing for the case of rice aroni, Dave, and the <laughs> case of turtle uh, wax as well. And set of the Encyclopedia Britannica, so make this count. Okay, I, I'm going to go with Plinko, and uh, I pick five. And I'll go on the high end and say, like, nine. Mac, you sticking with zero? It's as good a number as any. All right. <laughs> well, uh, the best I can figure, the correct answer is two. We have had two uh, coaches where the first scores were defensive scores. Uh, the first one is also, ironically, the very first points ever scored by a Nebraska team back in 1890 ah. under Langdon Frothingham. It was a safety uh, by Charles Chandler and James Porterfield against the Omaha YMCA. 
So good job there. And then the next one was in uh, 1925 for the uh, first year for Coach uh, Ernest Beard against Illinois. Uh, Frank Daly had a 40-yard interception return for a touchdown. So if you're going to Vegas and uh, looking for some uh, little funky, uh, you know, bets there, uh, the first score being defensive is a rare one. So hope you're getting good odds on that. Why and, were the names so much better back then? Oh, they were I mean, great. They're There's fantastic. Uh, they sound like Dukes or Earls. Oh, they were. There's you know yeah. playing football. Yeah. Harry Holworth and Elmer Schnellenberger and yeah. Price is right rules though. I win. Yep. Kai Eisenhart. <laughs> it was kind of fun digging through all the old papers and yearbooks on this. There are some I'm missing, so if any of you can uh, fill in some of the blanks, that would be appreciated. But uh, some, yeah, the the old World Herald and Omaha Bee and the Lincoln Star did kind of let us down back in some of the 1890s and the early 1900s. They were hard to find. I did appreciate their description of uh, 1929's first score, uh, Red Young. They described him as a little sorrel-topped eel from Norfolk. I'm not sure if that's complimentary <laughs> or not, but that's how he was described in the paper. So. Sorrel-topped uh, eel. Yeah, uh, I'm still working on that. Greg, what exactly isn't Greg Bell's means. nickname the eel? Very tasty. Very, yeah. very tasty. Hey, Mac. Oh, Mac. Red Snapper. <laughs> isn't uh, Greg Bell's nickname the eel? Right? Oh, well, there you go. Good. See, I think we just hashtag. We've already had, yeah. Um, and for for also comparison, uh, seventeen of our first scores were run, only six being passes. So as far as I can tell. Well, speaking of passes and first plays, and and I don't know if this is true or if it's just folklore, but the when Devaney first got here, his first play against South Dakota, I think, was our opponent in game one. We beat him like you know, fifty-five zero or something like that. Just blew him out. But the first play of the game, supposedly we threw an incompletion. But the crowd gave a, a standing ovation because we threw the ball. So apparently, you know, uh, what Jennings, the coach before him, mm-hmm. apparently we were not known for being much of a of a passing attack. Uh, so, anyways, that's you know that's my little my little historical take. Excellent. Thank you. You're listening to the Go Big Redcast season opener show. All right, guys. Next on the Go Big Redcast season preview. Let's finally deliver our conference picks. We have been going down and uh, checking the boxes on each conference uh, this uh, month of August. Uh, We've given kind of previews for the ACC, the Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12, SEC, but we have not given our predictions yet. So let's let's go for it. Uh, Let's start with the ACC. And uh, Boomer, who are you predicting to be in the ACC championship game? Uh, ACC championship game, I'm just depressed with most of my picks this season. It's just college football has become so painful with some of this stuff, the postseason anyway. It seems like I might play to type. But uh, I'm hard-pressed to see anyone other than Clemson and Miami matching up in that ACC title game. Just the talent they both have and everyone else. There's just a lot of question marks for the rest of the conference. I don't see anyone else sneaking out of that. Yeah, I hate to be boring, but I'm going to agree with you there, Boomer. Uh, Mac, what do you think, man? I agree with Michael. I'm going with the Clemson Miami game, and I'm picking Clemson because yeah. Max makes <laughs> already making the Clemson pick. Honky, you're going to fall in line with this, right? No, of course I'm going to pick a little something <laughs> different. And anyone that's been listening to us, I love Georgia Tech in this situation to at least win the Atlantic Coastal Pacific, whatever the heck Do that even metropolitan really about Georgia Tech. They will Tech. play against Clemson, and they will lose to Clemson in the. Uh, in the ACC title game. All right, Boomer, you taking Clemson to win? Yes, yeah. All right, as am I. Uh, we'll see. So that's four Clemsons, four to, Clemsons to win it. Correct. 
All right, uh, let's uh, go with the Big 12, and let's start with uh, Mac here. Who do you got? I have got Oklahoma versus Texas, with no surprise that Oklahoma is winning for me. All right. You know, actually, I have the same uh, OU versus Texas, and I've been waffling on this one a little bit. I feel like uh, this could be a year that we see some some fresh faces in the uh, the playoff, but uh, I, I've Stuck with OU. I, I, I wussed out and, and went with the obvious pick. Uh, Honky, who do you have? I have Oklahoma playing TCU, and I'm right there with you, Dave, where I'm, I'm so close to, to pulling the trigger and saying TCU, and then I'm going to wimp out, and I'm going with Oklahoma. It's so hard to do, you know? Uh, all right, Boomer, yourself? Well, I've decided to uh, throw caution to the wind and model myself after Honky here, so uh, I also opting for uh, Oklahoma and TCU. I wanted to pick West Virginia, but the, their schedule ends tough in the Big 12. I think they're just going to fall short and just not be and just kind of not be able to sneak in there. So the safe picks are Oklahoma and TCU, and Oklahoma to win. So, so yeah. can I just uh, West Virginia uh, Mountain Mama? Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would love to see somebody else besides OU win the Big 12. And I mean, if it does happen, it, you know, you can see OU's taking a step back. Lincoln Riley actually has uh, some work cut out for him. Kyler Murray may struggle maybe. It's always tough to replace a legend like Baker Mayfield, so maybe there's an opportunity there. All right, let's uh, move on to the uh, Pac-12. Honky, I'll let you start. All right, so I have USC winning the South, and I'm going to go with Stanford in the North. And – between the two, I really like USC's defense. Kind of mentioned that a couple weeks ago when we did our Pac-12 breakdown. Uh, but I'm going to go USC-Stanford with USC winning it. Gotcha. Speaking of USC, they also have a true freshman quarterback, JT Daniels, starting. And uh, he is actually should be a senior in high school. He actually skipped a grade. So if anybody thinks Adrian Martinez is too young, JT Daniels is even younger. All right, Mac. Um, I am not going to pick them. I'm going to go with Washington versus USC, but I am giving Washington the nod. This is their year for me. All right, so USC in the south, Washington in the north. Boomer? I'm just hoping the Pac-12 will be the one conference that delivers something vaguely interesting, and they usually are. So Washington's got the north, I think, in hand, and I'm going Arizona in the south just just to be different, just for something hopefully fun happening, although Washington wins in the the Pac-12 title game. All right, I, I'm, I'm with you on something different as well. I do uh, have Washington, but the South, uh, I, I think, might go to Utah. That's my flyer. So Washington, Utah, and, and Washington to win. Uh, all right, SEC, this should be uh, quick and simple. Boomer? Gee, let me think. I did some deep data analysis on this and crunched a lot of numbers going back to 2007. And uh, just based on just some punt numbers alone, I'm uh, going to give the edge to Alabama since, you know, they don't even really have to do much of anything, and they seem to always get in. And Yeah. It'll be Alabama-Georgia, I think, in the, in the SEC title game, and Alabama gets the nod. Gotcha. Uh, Mac? I am going with the same matchup, but I'm going to give the nod to the dogs. I feel like this is the year. You're the dog. I'm going to agree with you, Mac. I'll take Georgia over Bama in the SEC championship game. Honky? I think uh, when we do the uh, Nebraska or the, the Redcast tailgate here in a couple weeks for the Colorado game, 
I might bring out the coconut bra, and I might kind of do like a, a Chris Farley thing. But I picture instead of you know going Ditka, I'm just going to say Sabin, and it'll be like Sabin 175, and I'm going to go Florida negative 12. <laughs> so you got Florida winning the East in uh, Mullen's first year. I like that. That's a little That's bit correct. of a bold, bold pick. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, well, I see that uh, we still have the Big Ten left. Let's see if anybody has the nerve to take Nebraska. Um, yeah, I'll start with Honky. Yeah, so I, I basically I kind of have three guarantees here with Nebraska. Oh, you know what? I'm going to hold off on our Nebraska season with these. Uh, basically, what I'm going to do with this is I think that Iowa in the in the East or in the West. I'm sorry, Iowa in the West. They don't. They only play one hard crossover. They have Wisconsin, Nebraska at home. Uh, Penn State, I think, is is kind of flying under the radar a little bit because people are talking about Michigan, Ohio State so much. I, I think we're going to have Iowa make it out of the West. I think we're going to have uh, Penn State come out of the East, and I'll have Penn State win it. Penn State, Iowa. All right. That could be one of those 5-3 matchups back in the day. Matt, who do you have? Well, despite the amnesia of Urban Meyer, I still feel like he'll – be able to get his team together enough to win yet another conference title for himself. Um, I've got him going against Whiskey. Um, but I honestly feel like the Big Ten's a little more open than just what the obvious pick was there. Uh, I, I'll, I might do a look-in period, much like the Adidas contract we have in about <laughs> week three to see if, if I still feel this way. But uh, right now, yeah, OSU over Wisconsin. All right, Boomer? Yeah, again, it's... It, Looks like since Meyer survived, you know, his medication gate or whatever it is, so I'll forgetfulness. As long as he remembers to show up for the rest of the season, I still think they'll sneak through. Uh, Penn State, they're a tempting pick, but they still have to play Iowa and Wisconsin both in the regular season, so there's some challenges there with some potential losses. Uh, and it's hard to go against Wisconsin in the West till somebody beats them and knocks them off. You know, with the talent they have coming back, I, I don't see anyone quite doing it just yet, so... Hopefully soon, though, but we're still going Ohio State-Wisconsin in the title game with Ohio State winning again. All right. God, this is a boring uh, season well, for me. Uh, I'm going to uh, go against the grain on that uh, Big Ten East and take Michigan just for the heck of it. I'm just trying to be different really more than anything. Um, I think OSU is probably the most talented team out there by a, a, a fair margin, but Michigan also is pretty talented. I think that defense is very good. Uh, and experienced, and then uh, I think Shea Patterson could be a difference maker on the offensive side of the ball, and there's a bunch of playmakers on that Michigan offense that probably uh, we, we didn't hear enough about last year because they didn't get the ball from their quarterback. So, And, and Patterson also is dynamic, uh, similar to Martinez. He can run, so I, I think it could be really interesting to see. So I'll just I'll take a flyer on Michigan. I know it's a, a bit of a shot. I do think Penn State also has a real, real opportunity out there. Maybe the Big Ten East just kind of beats themselves up uh, and I'll take whiskey in the West, even though that defense is awfully thin and young. So I'm intrigued with Wisconsin as well. Um, so I'll take hey Dave, Michigan over. Dave, remember when uh, Bryson Williams? We wouldn't offer yeah. him because he wouldn't fit in a three-four defense. Yep. Yeah, he's he's the uh, second-string uh, nose tackle. I think the guys in front of him are Wisconsin. like walk-ons. We being Mike Riley. Yeah, yeah. I, and, uh, what kind of defense does uh, Wisconsin PTN, run hockey? The, the you know? first string uh, D line includes a walk on and a converted offensive lineman. 
and then Byerson Williams is is after that. So I mean, we're talking about uh, it's really thin. Uh, their secondary is a little bit thin too and inexperienced. I, I think if they can protect that defense, I'm sure they'll be fine by the end of the year. But uh, there could be some issues there. I, if Wisconsin has a weak link, it's that defense this year. So I'll, I'll take Michigan in the title game. Harbaugh gets it done in year four, and uh, you know it's a good sign. If Michigan returned to glory, Nebraska can't be too far behind. All right, guys, excellent stuff. Redcast predictions. Let's uh, head right into what we also really want to talk about with predictions, and that is Nebraska season predictions. Uh, we've had plenty of time to think about this. Uh, maybe instead of just diving right into the predictions, we can just talk a little bit about some overall things you, you're kind of expecting to see. I'll start with Honky. Okay, well, this is where I'm going to kind of go with I have three just general statements I'm going to make. They're not guarantees, but they are my three predictions. We are going to finish 3-0 and in non-conference. That's number one. Number two, we're going to beat Northwestern. We just do on the road. No reason for me to think any different from the last few years. And one of the few games I went to at home last year, we played Northwestern in overtime, and we were terrible. We're going to beat Northwestern. So that's prediction number two. And prediction number three is we play the four big road games. We play Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State. We are going to win at least one of those four. Could be could be more, could just be one, but we're going to win at least one of those. We're going to beat Northwestern. We're going to go 3-0 and in non-conference. Those are Honky's three predictions right there for the season. Lock them down. Lock them down. But the Honky gu- prediction. Not guarantees, though. So Honky's saying we're going to go 5-7, uh, and, five and, and seven, six, apparently. Yeah. 5-7? and seven? What the five and seven. Well, at least five wins there. Okay. All right, Mac. What are your initial thoughts? It's it's so difficult. I my eyes are so big, um, and I've drank so much Kool Aid in the off season. I could be convinced on nearly every game. For me, the big the big game is going to be the Michigan game. I feel like I'm going to know enough about this team to yep. look forward, and not even necessarily a win, but just how we play against Michigan because that will be the defense if we can move the ball. Not necessarily win, but if we can move the ball on that defense, then the sky is really the limit for this team this year. I, So, I mean, going forward from that, I, I agree with Honky. I think that I think we'll probably go undefeated non-con. I mean, that, that makes sense to me. If we beat Michigan, if we beat Michigan, we beat Iowa, we beat Northwestern, we're going to beat Purdue. We're gonna, you know what I mean? Yeah, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Those are my, those are and my Michigan games that State I can't home, say will win. Those are the ones I, I, I just can't. But, but Michi- Michigan will tell me a lot. I agree with the Michigan thing too because there's a couple different ways that game could go. The first three games we go out, we just let's just say the offense is really rolling. We're just we blow out Troy, Akron, and and CU. Everything's going great. But then we go to Michigan and the offense sputters. Right? It, it slows down. We're on the road. Freshman QB. But we win a game and we win it 20-17, to 17, and it's one of those defensive wins. That would give you – or even if we lost 20-17, to 17, but we played a defensive game where you're like, oh, my gosh, this team has some depth on both sides of the ball because we've talked so much about offense. That could make you feel really good coming out of that game. So, I mean, that, that Michigan game is such an early litmus test for where we are at. And, and like, I, like you and I have just said here, we think we're going to be 3-0 going into it. So – Nice, nice. Honky's flexing his vocabulary skills there. Good. Litmus. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Yes. Uh, uh, Boomer? Uh, I've said it before. I, what I'm fascinated to see, it, it kind of goes off of what McGuire and Honky are saying. It's that 
that three-game stretch at Michigan, home with Purdue, and at Wisconsin. That Michigan game, you know, looms large early on. You win that, and things are looking great. You know, going to Wisconsin, uh, you know, can we finally get that Badger, you know, bugbear off our back and show that we can actually compete with, uh, you know, the big bullies of the the Big Ten West on that? And, you know, we mentioned a couple weeks now, I think that Purdue game is kind of a tricky trap sort of game. You know, people have compared – you know, Frost to, you know, Purdue having the success, you know, early on they've had. And that's a team we probably should have lost to in the last year, definitely last year, if not two years in a row. And are they going to be better this year? And that's an easy game to look past, you know, coming off of Michigan, whether a win or loss and have Wisconsin looming. You know, uh, the teams we saw last year could easily fold under those circumstances or look past it. And that's one I really want to watch out for. And then I just want to see how the team just does with some adversity. You know, we looked at last year's team, a lot of the same players, and unfortunately it just seemed to quit several times. The Minnesota game's that perfect example. That team was not that bad to lose that badly to a horrible team that I think one of us were the starting quarterback on. <laughs> you know, I've heard Minnesota's young again this year, so that'll be another good measuring stick. Are we going to drink? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to see how just we react to that we're at youth, home. Yeah. Young, inexperienced. We're, we're all inexperienced. You said so. it. Yeah. Uh, so that's another uh, key yeah. game. I just kind of want to see how they perform, to see how much better they are than last year's team. That'll be a good good measuring stick for that as well. Yeah, we, we've heard that Frost inherited a 4-8 team. Frost inherited a 4-8 team, but not a 4-8 roster. So I guess we're going to find out how that plays out. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, you ready to throw out some, some numbers here? Hockey, you want to start us off? What is your actual predi- uh, prediction? Well, so basically – you know, if we win those first three games, we beat Northwestern, we win at least one of those road games. And I'm going to just throw out, like, Michigan maybe is one one that we would win. Um, I think basically at that point you beat Minnesota, you beat Illinois, you beat Purdue. Now you're getting into that eight-game thing, and, and can you beat Michigan stay at home? My gosh, you could get to nine and three. And at the end of the day, there is no way in hell I'm picking Iowa to win the West. This is Honky's totally unbiased, who cares prediction. Nebraska is winning the West. Nebraska is winning the Big 12 Conference, or Big 10 Conference. And I hate to do this to, to Dan, our, our great graphics guy, because he's going to have to change the graphic. But I have Nebraska winning the Big 10. We're going to go 9-3. We and literally three. just had that segment, and you didn't say that. I know, I know. I just changed it. We're going 9-3. and three. Do you have Urban Meyerisms? Nope. How much do nope. you drink after that Minnesota? And we're yeah. going to beat... We're going to beat, uh, I'm going to say, Michigan and Iowa on the road, and we will lose to Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Ohio State. But we still win the West with that 9-3, and 6-3. and three. <laughs> With the 9-3, and three, because we beat you know Iowa there, and I think Wisconsin will lose. Uh, they have two crossover ones, and they play. Um, let me change that. We're going to beat Wisconsin and Iowa, <laughs> and we'll lose to Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Awesome. And then come back and beat Penn State. I don't care. It's hon- who cares? It's a prediction. Honky's totally biased. Who cares? Predictions. We win. We're gonna go ten and two. Screw it. We're going ten and two, and we're gonna win. We're winning the West, and we're winning the conference. If this keeps going for another five Dan, minutes, I'm we're sorry, in the already, I'll, I'll, this is I'll done. call you yeah. later to change the graphic. We're going eleven and one, and uh, we won and the national championship. Ten and two. Totally unbiased. Who cares? We literally got. This is not about being objective. This is a stupid Husker podcast. <laughs> Nick Saban gives Scott Frost a championship trophy from last year for UCF. Apologizes <laughs> profusely. Yeah, I see all this playing out. Uh, ten, ten and two. Michigan and Ohio State will be our two losses. All right, Mac. Can you top that? 
Well, no, but I do want to remind the Redcast fans that this is a Husker fan podcast. Yes. That, that's so key. We're, we're, not, we're not betting, guys. We're not, we're, we lead with our hearts. This side of the table does anyway. So, but that being said, I'm still going with about an eight and four prediction. Um, That's with, fair. Here's the here's the thing. I, we go three and zero non-con. I, I say we probably lose to Michigan. We beat Purdue. We beat Northwestern. We beat Minnesota. We beat Illinois, and we beat Iowa. With a strong chance that we beat Michigan State. Everything else is up for grabs. I could be convinced. I think everything you're saying sounds legit and right. You're just not as good of a fan as I am. That's, I mean. Ah, that explains I, I, everything. I don't mean to call you out, but I'm calling you out. Did Stanley Morgan give you a point? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stanley no. Morgan would disagree. No. no he Boomer, didn't. what do you got? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm a little closer to uh, Mac and my uh, predictions on this. I've uh, been burned by plenty of coaching staffs and plenty of uh, scarlet-colored uh, glasses and probably more Kool-Aid than is healthy for my kidneys for the last few coaching staffs. Uh, you know, seven's probably the easy over-under kind of dividing line. I can easily be talked into eight or nine. That You know, if things go awry with, you know, some injuries to, you know, tackles and quarterbacks and things like that, six isn't, you know, too difficult. But since, you know, this is the fan podcast, let's kind of just look on the positive side of things. I, I tend to agree with Honky that we win the non-conference. Just watch out for Troy. Just be careful. Uh, I think think they this team should have the, the moxie at least to beat Purdue. We always play well at Northwestern. I don't see that changing. Minnesota, I think one of us had a shot at starting quarterback there again this year. So I, I'm not too <laughs> concerned with their youth and uh, their freshman quarterback play there. Illinois... Probably should just quit having a team. And then Iowa's that kind of toss-up game. That's a win or lose, but I just hate Iowa. So let's just win at Iowa. So I think eight wins is pretty pretty feasible. So I'd like, you know, hope, you know, we can pull off one of those upsets, you know, at Michigan, at Wisconsin, at Ohio State, or Michigan State. Don't know if that's feasible year one, but let's, yeah, let's let's just hope on those. I think eight wins is would be a very successful first year here. I'd be happy with that. Yep, I hear you. Uh, I, I think the basement's probably six wins. Uh, seedlings probably around nine. Uh, I'll be on the positive side as well and take eight. I think I like eight and four because it allows us to get that bowl game and get to nine wins, which obviously Frost will win nine every year um, going forward, right? So perfect. All right, guys, I like it. Uh, let's uh, go into our week one predictions. The pod predictions. All right, this is our weekly pick 'em. Um, Honky, maybe you have all the information. We also have our our uh, Redcast pick them already up. I believe it's on Yahoo. So we'll send out all the information on that. But uh, we've been doing this uh, pick them amongst us four for, it feels like a decade or more. And uh, so we'll pick 10 games and and see who uh, wins. Uh, last year, who, who, who took the, the title home, guys? I forget. Who cares? <laughs> it's a new season, Dave. Who, who, who took it home, home the year staff. before that? I can t- I'm going to be at the bottom of this one again. I just don't care enough. But Dave, who who did win last? I year? believe it was me. Um, I've I've won every year. Boomer always gives me a very tight run, but um, for some reason, hockey always finishes in the basement. I don't know why. Because I take Wyoming. I usually I all sk- the time. I skipped a week or two. I didn't get my picks in in time. <laughs> that usually will not help you. It. It's true. 
Uh, all right, so we talked about this a little bit beforehand, and uh, we've got three of our ten that are consensus. So uh, we're all taking Purdue at home versus Northwestern. I believe that's a Thursday night game, if I'm not mistaken. And we are all taking Texas over Maryland, even though that is uh, at Maryland. And then we're all taking, oh, which one other was it? Florida State over Virginia Tech. Is that right? No, I had, nope. I nope. think uh, was West it, Virginia, uh, Tennessee was our Oh, it was, West Virginia, it was West Virginia over Tennessee. Over Tennessee. Oh, right, so those are our three. West Virginia over Tennessee, Texas over Maryland, Purdue over Northwestern. All right, let's uh, go uh, down the list here. Uh, next one up, Friday night game, Colorado versus Colorado State right here in Denver at Mile High Stadium. Honky, who do you got? I have the Fighting Buffaloes of Colorado. Mac? Also the Buffalo Chips. All right. Boomer? Uh, Colorado, though if Colorado State learns to not punt from inside the opponent's 40, they might have a shot. All right. I'm going to take the Rams. I think they're going to bounce back um, a a 7.5-point spread, and he has to believe that somehow. Uh, all right, uh, let's look at Ole Miss going to Texas Tech. Who do you have here, Mac? Uh, just because it's at Texas Tech, I'm going with the Raiders. Yeah, is this at Texas Tech or is it it's at some Houston. random? You know, like oh. is it in Birmingham in, uh, or something? Houston, you know, very. Boomer, can you so. confirm this? They're playing in Houston. Yes, that ah, still counts. I'm counting it. I'm going to look it up, too. I'm, I'm taking Texas Tech as well. I just think Ole Miss actually with the, you know, the, you know, kind of change their quarterback and they've, they've lost a lot uh, because of some of the issues. Uh, I, I think they're, they're primed for a, a loss here, which would be awesome to see the Big 12 take down the SEC. Honky? I would love to see the Big 12 take down the SEC. I just don't think it's going to happen. I'm going with Ole Miss. All right, and Boomer? Uh, my prediction's always pain for college football, so Old Miss will somehow pull this off. And Houston's probably closer to, you know, Old Miss than Lubbock is anyway, so more of a home game for them, so what the heck. So it's in Houston, is that correct? Yes, I believe so. They're gotcha. in Houston. Okay, well, it's in their state. Uh, all right, let's see. What do we have? Washington versus Auburn. Boomer? Uh, this is another one of those uh, convenient neutral site games located uh, in Atlanta, which, as we all know, is clearly neutral for a team like Auburn that could walk there versus Washington that I think has to <laughs> go via the Panama Canal to get there. So, again, going with the uh, pain prediction, I think Auburn wins this. So. All right, Mac? I'm going with Washington, although I do like uh, Boomer's Clubber Lane prediction of pain. <laughs> and honky. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going with Auburn. I'm going to go with Washington. Got to believe in Chris Peterson and his ability to prep for one game. Uh, He took Boise down there and beat Georgia. He can do the same with a much better Washington team uh, against Auburn. All right, uh, big one on Saturday night, uh, playing opposite of Nebraska versus Akron, Michigan at Notre Dame. Let's go with Boomer. This is a tricky one. I haven't scouted Notre Dame as much as I normally do. I'm just kind of going Big Ten homerism here. We really could use Michigan to come off looking good in this game for the conference and for Nebraska when they play them. So let's just go with Michigan. Why not? All right. Honky? 
I'm going to go with the home team here and go with Notre Dame. Uh, I think it'll be a very close game down to the wire. Uh, my Lee Corso, they'll, they'll win it by a field goal at the end. All right, Mac? <laughs> I really feel like Harbaugh, it's more important of a game for him to win than it is for Notre Dame. Plus, I really, I, yeah, I guess I'm going with Boomer, too, with the homerism here for the Big Ten. So, yeah, I'm going Michigan. All right, I'll make that three for Michigan. You know my, my story on Michigan. All right, uh, let's take a look at Miami uh, at LSU. Honky? Same thing about the Ole Miss-Texas Tech game. There's just an SEC thing, and I'm just going to give it to LSU. LSU. Where, but, Dave, where is this being played? Is this, is this in a uh, neutral site again, like in New Orleans? Boomer to look this up. It might be neutral site, though, yeah. I'll check as fast as I can here. Yeah. I have it listed as, as – I'm going to go with LSU. So LSU at home, but it may be a neutral site home. Yeah. Mac? I'm going with the Hurricanes. All right. Uh, I think I'm going to I'm going to take Miami as well on this one. I think it's a, a tough one, but I'll, I'll go with the Hurricanes. Uh, I think they have a much better upside than LSU this year. Uh, so we'll see. Boomer? Uh, Miami's pretty much an SEC team for all intents and purposes. And you can't forget Ed Orgeron is the coach for, you know, LSU. So I can't trust him any further than I can throw him. So uh, we're going to Miami there. And I think this is at AT AT&T Stadium, if I remember correctly. So in Arlington. So, So again, you might as well be LSU's home turf. It makes total sense. Nice. All right. Uh, all right. Virginia Tech, Florida State. This is a uh, Monday night game. And we'll, we'll start with Boomer. I just kind of fascinating how many conferences are starting off with big, you know, heavyweight matchups anymore to start week one. It's kind of an interesting approach. I mean, the SEC's been doing that for a while. Seems like everyone's kind of jumping on board. Oh, that. We have Northwestern Purdue, obviously. Yeah. That's, that's the Big, big Ten one. Yeah. Uh, so. Tough call here. I think Florida State's got talents and should be able to start the season off right. Let's go Florida State for no particular reason. So. Yeah, I'm taking Florida State as well. Mac? Florida State as well. Honky? Uh, when I, I'm picking Va Tech, and I was doing it because I mistakenly just looked at the spread, and I picked it, like, against the spread. But then I realized later that we're just picking who wins. So I do think FSU is going to win it, but I don't want to – I'm going to stick with VTech just because I don't care. No, so I'm picking Florida State to win the game. I don't think they're going to win. <laughs> that that makes there that, you go, Redcasters. Decipher that one, Redcasters. This is Honky's logic. This is why you should never follow his gambling advice. Never makes <laughs> any sense bets, whatsoever, even in his own pick. <laughs> oh, That's I, great. absolutely! I yeah. can totally see a win by VTech. Miami for the victory. Wait a minute, are they even playing? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's like a window in Urban Meyer's mind. <laughs> this is nuts. That's right. Who am I? I don't know. Uh, all right. Uh, so last one standing here. Akron coming to Lincoln to play Nebraska. Let's start with Boomer. Give me uh, the winner and score. Winner and score. Well, it's about time to get the season started. I want to see what this whole offense can do. Akron's returning some kind of a defense from last year's Mac East champions. They were a little lucky last year doing the Mac East. But uh, I I feel pretty safe saying Nebraska wins this. They cover the spread, so even though hockey's not too into that. But I'm going 48-14, Nebraska over Akron. I like it. All right, Mac? 
I believe we hang half a hundred on the zips, but I also think we could possibly give up in the 20s, so I'll just say 24, so like 52-24. I think the only reason I think we'll score so high, I think Martinez will stay in for most of the game just to give him some more reps. That's a good point. All right, Honky? I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Nebraska, 72 Akron, 14. (laughs) Uh, You're such a one-upper. It drives me crazy. Uh, All right. I am also taking Nebraska, and I I think Boomer's numbers are pretty good there. I'll take uh, 49 to to, um, 17, somewhere in there. So, all right, guys. Excellent. Uh, First week in the books. Whew, that was a go big red cast right there. Let's do some parting shots and get out of here, honky. I uh, want to say uh, a parting shot for Lee Barfnick, who uh, when we recorded last week, we were just kind of after he made his announcement that he's going to be leaving the World Herald. But he was there for 30-some years, and for all of us that kind of grew up in that era, he's just one of those guys that, that we read in the 90s and everything. And, and the last few years he's been doing a lot with basketball. And the fact that he's moving on just – you know, congrats to him on a on a, a long career. I know he he probably infuriated as many as as you know he he had people on his side. But uh, I always thought that he was kind of good in the fact that he brought up the opposite angle on some things and asked some tough questions. So I do want to throw that out there. And he was doing basketball at the end. And I guess to segue into this, I do want to just say uh, congrats to Donovan Williams, Lincoln North Star uh, Junior, who committed to Nebraska ball since we've last talked. And uh, the last thing on basketball is RPI is dead. So that's, that's right. Red. <laughs> RPI is dead. Go big red. We're gonna have a deep dive into the uh, the net uh, at some point, but not not this show. All right, Mac. Um, my parting shot just goes out to uh, Trey Bryant. I I gotta tell you, his his art. His, he had to kind of retire from football over the last week, and I just I really really liked the kid. I appreciated the effort he he went into trying to get back on there. It's a sad deal when your body kind of gives out and you're still so young. But I thought he made a great point about not getting carted off and being able to jog off the field. So yep. kudos to him. He will be missed. Once a Husker, always a Husker. Uh, but uh, total class with that kid. Total class. Absolutely. Good point, Mac. Boomer. Uh, I just want to give uh, one shout-out to a conference that we didn't really get a deep dive into. And for big fans of Maction like I am, there's a lot of good stuff to look forward to there. Uh, the Fighting Frankies of Ohio really are the odds-on favorite to win that conference. I mean, uh, Solich, uh, since he's been welcomed back into the Husker family and no longer persona non grata, uh, look forward to him uh, taking the Bobcats to their first MAC championship and ever, really. And uh, another exciting Matt game to watch out for, uh, the Miami Hurricanes somehow uh, are finding themselves going to Toledo in early September, so don't uh, don't sleep on what? that game either. So that's a game they should watch out for, so that could be exciting as well. So enjoy Maction. That, that's an impressive uh, scheduling feat there by, by Toledo. Excellent. And, and Solich is like 73, so it would be awesome to see him actually finally bring home that conference championship after so many years. All right, where, does, where does Toledo play? Is it the Glass, the Glass Bowl? Bowl? Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Miami was just confused. I don't think they had any idea what they were signing. So yeah, <laughs> they, they they thought they were Miami of Ohio. Yeah, or it was like a trip like, to Toledo, oh, Spain, normal, or right? something. No, like no, no, you're Miami, Florida. Yeah, there was chaos. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see how that plays out. All right, guys. Excellent show. A lot of fun. Let's call that a go big red cast.
Beat Akron. Beat Akron.